Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Victory Over Self Radio. Happy New Year, uh, as this will be our first episode of 2023. And we have a guest on today, Ray Zingler, that we have been uh, following for a long time. And just it's a highly anticipated episode to, to finally get Ray on here. And to kind of continue the introduction and uh, how we first kind of uh, came to know Ray, uh, we're going to turn things over to Blair and uh, Blair will start firing off some questions here. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, Ray Zingler, take it away, Blair. Ray, so the first time that I saw you or your social media uh, was when I was lurking over the Instagrams for uh, garage gym ideas. Oh, is that right? And uh, I came upon your social media, your gym, and I thought, man, to have a big garage with open bays and a ton of equipment would just be like the dream right. and do, you know, do my own thing out of there. I thought that would be, that would be the best thing ever. And, uh, to this day, that was a few years ago. I don't have a garage, so no garage gym, but, uh, it's still a, still a hoop tree, sure. but can you just tell us, tell us about your gym, how it started, where it started. And, uh, let's, let's yeah, start there. So again, I'll kind of back you up back to when I was in middle school. My father was kind of our middle school football coach and, um, he saw that in like the, the younger athletics side of things that again, he wasn't necessarily concerned with seeing guys squat 400 pounds, but he saw like a lack of physical preparation. And this is, you know, back in the early two thousands for those younger demographics. And he said, you know, Hey, we can coach football all day long, but you know, if these kids aren't physically prepared for the game, you know, we're going to spend some time this off season and train them. So Dad didn't know exactly what he was going to do because you can't just take, you know, 50 kids into a Gold's gym or anything like that. You know, you have to find a way to have this facility. So one weekend, my mom was out of town on a girl's trip and dad says, get in the truck. We go down to this local fitness depot and dad literally bought a glorified Gold's gym and moved it into the basement of our house. I'm talking squat racks, leg press, lat pull down, $30,000 worth of stuff. And we get it delivered and mom's getting home from her trip and we got a 18 wheeler in our driveway unloading all this equipment. My mom's like, what in the hell is you know going on here? And uh, anyway, we converted that into a gym down in the basement where dad started training me. And then at the end of the football season, he put out a little flyer to the members of the team. You know, it's not required, but hey, anybody that wants to learn about strength and conditioning, you know, we've got workouts Monday, Wednesday, Friday at four o'clock. And, you know, he's thinking six people are going to jump on this. We, he was charging like five bucks a session. Well, the first day we didn't really have this plan because we didn't know what was going to happen. We get a knock at the door at four o'clock and there's 37 kids at our front driveway. And my mom's wondering what in the world's going on. We just invited the entire football team to the house. And anyway, to make a long story short, it kind of segued from there where, you know, it went from having a couple of sessions a week where dad was training us to now, he was having multiple sessions a day to try to, you know, accommodate everybody in this 400 square foot room. And, um, you know, this is began back when I was in middle school. And then, you know, I get into college and I was obviously obsessed with the weight room. And I originally thought I was going to go the college route. But again, something we'll get into later, being the son of college football coaches, I saw how demanding the college side of, of strength and conditioning was where you can be the best strength and conditioning coach in the world. But unfortunately, sometimes that's not you're you're not always in control of your fate, so to speak, based on administration, based on head coaching changes, et cetera. So I saw my dad, who was a longtime college coach, kind of segue himself into that entrepreneurship role to start his own business. Um, and I kind of said to myself, you know, why 
why not be in charge of my own success or failure? So it's kind of, it, it kind of morphed into this gym dad started in the basement when I was in middle school, all by accident. I grew up in the program. I grew up in the system. And again, this was a side gig that my dad had. He owns a commercial flooring business. And when I got, you know, towards the tail end of, of high school, dad said, you know, I don't really have time to serve two masters. I can't run my flooring business in this, you know, strength and conditioning thing that at this point had now morphed into serving kids in the community. Like it, it blew up because at the time there wasn't, you know, your micro, you had your Zach Evanesh's and Joe DeFranco's and that was, that was pretty much it. Um, so he basically told me, Hey, you know, you know what I'm doing, you know, you've seen, I've trained you since you were 12 years old, you know, would you like to take over? You know, he was slowing the business down, the, the training business down a little bit. Would you like to take over? And I looked at it at the time as 18 years old kid and said, you know what? It's some side money. I like training, you know, whatever. I'll, I'll take the cash. I didn't really know where I was going with my life. And then all of a sudden, two clients turns to four, four to 18. Next thing I know, I've got kids doing step ups on a staircase in a residential house. And I said, I guess I'm this Gary Vaynerchuk entrepreneur thing they talk about, you know? So that was, that was really it. So it was a lot of, a lot of, I was in, I'm very fortunate to have a lot of resources and, and be, you know, counseled by a lot of quality people, but it was really, this platform was kind of handed to me, you know, from a standpoint of I had the facility, you know, it was in a basement of a house. It wasn't ideal, but, you know, you look at Joe DeFranco and that 500 square foot, you know, closet gym he started with. I, I bust him about that because my gym was only 432 square feet to his huge 500, <laughs> but, uh, that's really what it was. And then, you know, for the first five years, I didn't, I didn't breathe. I just, I just kept my head down and trained and trained and trained. And, you know, one day my accountant called me and he's like, do you have any idea how much money you made last year? And I couldn't, I couldn't guess. I'd just get the checks. I'd go to the bank and I'd sprint back to go train people. And he's like, Ray, there's these things called taxes. And I'm like, I don't know what any of that means. You know, let me just, you know, let me spot the squats, you know? And then sure enough, I'm, I'm, I'm a business owner now. So it kind of, it fell in my lap with a lot of uh, a lot of just gritty effort and, and dumb business sense that I've eventually you know got counseled on down the road. So, well, it's obviously worked out pretty yeah, well. Yeah, no, it's, uh, and, it's, done, uh, <clears throat> it's done all right. So. One one thing I've noticed with following you for so long and and just watching your athletes train is how simple for it sure. is how simple you keep everything. And that's probably a testament to like having the 450 square feet and having to keep it simple. Absolutely. Um, but can you just touch on that? Can you touch on the training yeah, side a little so bit? Like, like, so, and again, I've obviously gotten, I don't want to say smarter as I've gone along. I've just gotten less dumb, but you know, you, you work with kids for so long and you take a look at their life, you know, strength and conditioning is my life. I'll talk to you about strength and conditioning for 12 hours on Christmas day. I mean, I'm pumped out of my mind about it. But when you look at it in the context of a kid, it might be two hours of their entire week where it's 12 hours of my day, seven days a week, 365 a year. It's two hours of their week. And I'm competing with baseball practice, with hitting lessons, with homework, with Snapchat, with Netflix, with 86 different things. The kids live their lives like this all the time. They've got so much competing for bandwidth in their brain to sit here and try to be fancy with these kids. They, they, they don't have time to, to brush their teeth properly or focus on that. So to me, if I'm going to try to give somebody the highest return on their time investment, simplicity is the only choice in my opinion. You know, so it's, it's one of those things, obviously, combining the fact that they're beginners and they're going to respond well to just about anything you throw at them. I'm just a massive believer in 
compounding interest and doing little things very, very well, very consistently, you know, because again, just as an example, you know, I'm not hating on Olympic lifts or anybody that does that, but there's guys that program Olympic lifts and is a perfect power clean, a better exercise than a weighted box jump, you know, holding on to dumbbells and apples to apples. It is. But if I can teach a kid right now to jump up onto a box, holding 15 pound dumbbells, and he can perform it with 90% proficiency tomorrow, or I take that same kid who throws a power clean up and he's reverse curling. Okay. Now that perfect box jump to that subpar power clean, what's the better exercise? One takes me six months to possibly get it right. I can teach you how to jump on a box holding 10 pounds tomorrow, you know, so it's all about maximizing their time. And I want to give you results right now. Again, if I had the time or desire to teach the power cleans and it was something that's, you know, absolutely essential, then I would, but I don't not coach Olympic lifts because I hate them or I think they're bad. I'm just dealing with a finite amount of time with kids who have 86,000 things competing for their bandwidth. I got to simplify the process to be able to get them the results they're after in a time efficient manner. But, but coach, I got to clean, right? Coach, I got to know how to clean. Right. And, and that's the one side that I, I dislike is because again, there are guys that do it very, very well. And, you know, there's guys that know how to teach it. And there are some college programs that, you know, almost enforce it, but you know, all of the studying that I've done over the time and I see the kids, you know, at the end of the day, the, the two more, the two most important KPIs, key performance indicators, in my opinion, are, Number one, attendance, and number two, on-field performance. So to me, if somebody can show me yeah. where a perfect power yeah. clean helps you know, a guy on a football field who's got to overcome a defensive lineman and get to the second level, you know, wait, prove it to me. You know what I mean? And, and I don't say that to be a, a smart aleck, but my point is, is like, where, where are we justifying that you have to sink a below parallel box squat? I have guys box squat high all the time and they end up in chairs on signing day. Does that mean, does that mean, you know, that the high box squat is, is the devil because some, you know, offensive line coach said squat lower, you know what I mean? It's like, where's the, where's the, the proof, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pay attention to the most important metrics, not this, you know, old school, clean, you know, four sets of 10, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pay attention to the, to the thing that matters the most. And that's how are the kids performing on the field? And now if my kids lose out on an opportunity because they didn't power clean and you can prove that to me, I'll go back to the drawing board and start power cleaning tomorrow. You know? Yeah. I'm with you there. What I, what I tell my kids and I work at a, at a private high school here and they want to do all the sexy Instagram, sure. TikTok, whatever right. stuff they want to do cleans, blah, blah, blah. And I just say like, Hey, right now it's not the most important thing. What's most important is you're in season. Let's keep Absolutely. you healthy. Absolutely, The best ability then, is availability. That's right. Yeah. And then what I tell them too is, Hey, you know, I know when you go to college, you're probably going to be working with a coach who wants you to do cleans. So before you go to college in your senior year, you know, season's done. I'll show you how to do cleans perfectly. I've got my USAW. I know what I'm right. doing. I'll show you how to do it. But right now we don't need to do For it. For sure. And, and that's, and that's, and that's brilliant. And a lot of it too, you know, not to say that all sports don't use the Olympic lifting, but you know, a lot of these kids are in a weight training class at their high school as well. And, and whether that's great coaching, poor coaching, again, 90% of those guys are throwing cleans in there. So at least they've been exposed to the concepts, you know, it may not be perfect, but again, if I'm a supplemental strength and conditioning coach, meaning the majority of these kids are, are training in school, 
I'm not sitting here standing on top of the hill saying I'm better than you or anything like that, but at least they're exposed to these different environments where a lot of the, a lot of the cleans are still taking place in the, in the school system. And at the end of the day, a clean is an athletic movement. And, and I'm not saying that all college athletes are proficient in every single exercise, but the likelihood that they'll be able to at least pick up on that a little bit better as a 19 year old kid, even if they're just barely being introduced to it is a lot higher than me. Who's working with kids across the spectrum. You know, I've got kids in my gym who want to, who want to play professional athletics. And then I've got other kids that are afraid of their own shadows and they're coming to me to build confidence. You know what I mean? So it's like, I've got to keep things, you know, manageable. So that way I can serve the, the most important component, which in my opinion is getting a little bit better today than you were yesterday. And if I can do that simply, I'm going to, I'm going to sell out on simple until it proves me wrong. And that may sound yeah. boneheaded, but it's just working with the demographic I have. I've never, I've never seen simple not work with, with my demographic. Yeah. With you there. Totally with you there. You guys want to follow up on that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, first, so, sorry, Ray, I know you're the guest, but Blair, I really do like the idea of like, hey, if you do make it to college, before you leave, I'll show you how to clean. No, it's beautiful. It's simple, but that's, it's, it's, it makes it a brilliant idea. Yeah, because I mean, if they if they have the athletic ability to get there, they're probably going to pick up on cleans. Pretty that's well my too. Th- that's exactly my point, you know. Versus some kid that's just there to to lose a little bit of body fat, you know, is is the clean? Do I need to pour into that kid and focus so much on technical depth and all of this? Yeah. When all they want to do is show up and sweat and be able to check the box, you know what I mean? I, that's something to keep it keep it easier but no that is a brilliant idea to where hey it's not a complex thing especially when you're talking about an olympic lift from a from a sporting perspective obviously olympic lifting is a sport in and of itself which is again one of the main reasons i don't like coaching or teaching another sport to help improve another sport because of the 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 technical aspects in that sport in and of itself but to teach a high school kid that signed his letter of intent how to throw a hang clean is not rocket science for a guy that obviously has the requisite athletic ability to be able to play at the the next level, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, no, that was uh, that's a good point. And so I wanted to dig in real quick, Ray, on you mentioned for your first KPI, it's attendance. So right. do you mean attendance uh, in your, I'm going to call it out of sport, training sessions or that combined with in sport practices and games so so i was speaking on it more of like a a strength and conditioning perspective but Mm -hmm. i think the whole concept i mean i believe that in every area of my life you know whether that be my faith whether that be my relationships you know if i if i spend five minutes a day in the bible for 365 days i'm never going to have one single day that you know moves the needle in my life but by Mm -hmm. default i've gotten closer to christ in my relationship well, if I spend if I send one text message every single day to a different parent of one of my athletes or an athlete or a friend, one single, hey, I'm thinking about you message doesn't do a lot. But doing that 365 days in a row, that that has made me become a more gratuitous or, or, or a, a person that's adding value to the life that's that's the over time. And I think from a training standpoint, you know. The more consistently we train, and it's obviously different, you know, from an athletics perspective versus like my own personal training, where training is my sport, so to speak. But, you know, the guys that I've had that have stayed consistent, whether that be twice a week, three times a week over the long haul, are just, you know, by 
default, in my opinion, they're giving themselves a better opportunity to, to get to where they want to go. And I think the cool thing about consistency too, and, and that attendance that I talk about, the more frequently you attend, the less better you have to be at each individual session. And what I mean mm -hmm. by that is you have room for error because you're being exposed to the stimulus more times. You know what I say people all the time is, all right, if you only come to my gym once a week, I've got to throw in order to give you the Zingler strength program. I got to throw a lot at you. I got because we got to do upper, lower, jump, sprint, single arm, single leg. There's a lot going on. And again, we're talking about kids who have a lot of things competing for, for space in their brain versus if I can span that over, out over three days a week and I can focus solely on upper body one day and solely on lower body the next day and then maybe a total body type type lift on that third day. Just by default, you've given yourself the opportunity to have to be, you know, less perfect in each of those three stimuluses, which is why I'm a big believer in splitting up the upper body and the lower body. And, and I know from time constraints and obviously in high school settings, sometimes it's essential to to have that, you know, total body type lift. But at the same time, again, if I'm dealing with kids that have a lot of stuff competing for their their bandwidth and now all of a sudden I'm teaching a hinge pattern and then now we're going to go to a barbell row and then we're going to go back to triceps. And then now we're coming over here to, to a, a Romanian deadlift. You know, there's a lot going on. I don't, I don't like to superset. I don't like to combine. I, I want to focus solely on what's right in front of us. Mm -hmm. And again, I say that recognizing I have a little bit of leverage because I have the luxury of time versus sometimes in a setting that you guys might be in. You guys have a fixed amount of time where I can just tell Jimmy to come back next Thursday and we can focus on that one area more specifically. So mm -hmm. that has helped me to come out, kind of compartmentalize to where the kids can focus. Okay. It's upper body. I'm not going to have to worry about much with my legs and this. And obviously all training is total body. When you look mm -hmm. at a jump or a sprint or, you know, people can't understand when they're bench pressing, you know, how I try to help them to understand their hamstrings and their hips are involved because driving your feet through the floor, they just view it as arm day. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. trying to break it down <laughs> to their, their understanding. No, that was, that was beautiful. Thank you for expanding on that. Cause I think there's sure. just a ton of good lessons in there for, uh, athletes to kind of hear and listen to, and also coaches as well. Um, and then I just, we'll, we'll give you time at the end to kind of shout out all your socials. But for those listening, um, Ray is a phenomenal follower and, uh, follow, and he has a post recently on stacking days and he just takes you through every single day, the things that he, uh, committed to that he did with success. Um, he mentioned earlier, uh, you know, reading for five minutes a day, um, and just, so true with the attendance, showing up, putting in the work, especially when we're talking about the dosages of training uh, throughout a year. And so, Ray, I want to kind of uh, switch gears a little bit. On a previous yeah. podcast, um, you mentioned that your grandfather was a college coach. And on uh, today, you mentioned that your dad was a college coach. So um, coming from a line of coaches could be like coming from a line of being a pastor's kid where sometimes, Absolutely. you know, you could kind of go off the rails a little bit. So uh, describe for us what it was like growing up with uh, that lineage of coaches, some of the lessons you learned and then having kids of your own, what are the things that you're aware of or that you're trying to pass on? Sure. And, and that's a great question. You know, it's, it's funny just to kind of break down my family tree, you know, obviously my grandfather and my father were college football coaches. 
I have uncles that were military. And then the other side of my family is all blue collar workers. So I kind Mm -hmm. of have this, you know, I guess what has developed me, so to speak, is you have the coaching lineage, you have the military aspect, and then you have the blue collar, swing your hammer, bring your lunch pail type lineage. And that's kind Mm of what I guess developed me and, and, and built me into who I am with that, that kind of mindset, you know, a lot of times too, you know, speaking of the, the pastor's kids example and not flying off the rails, you know, when you're a young guy and you're exposed to these like highly disciplined, hardworking people that are obviously take pride in, in what they do. Sometimes that can be a little, a little much, you know, when you're a 15 year old kid and you're like, gosh, I just want to hang out and I just want to relax and this, that, and the other, but it's always go, go, go in my family. It was always very, everybody was disciplined. Every, and I'm not saying that we were perfect or anything like mm-hmm. that, but there was, there was, there was fire behind everything that, that we did. And there was always effort. You know, it was one of those things you finish the drill. I can remember being 15 year old kid and I was lawn mowing a lawn and I, I didn't blow it off properly. And here my dad and I are at nine o'clock at night wearing headlamps, making sure the thing was blown off correctly. And I hated my dad for that. You know, what the heck, man, this idiot's paying me $15 to do this. He's, he's cheap, you know, but it was, it wasn't, it was never about the money. It's always about the principle. So a lot of times I almost dislike that as a young guy because I didn't have the maturity to understand it. But then, you know, to look at where I am today, it's like uh, this whole, like, attendance thing that we're talking about and the consistency it's like that that bled into me i had no other choice you know what i mean it was like every single lesson that my dad you know ever shared with me we always related everything to sports and everything to fo- so I, so at least he, he he knew how to speak on my level you know now now my sister you know it was funny you know she'd be talking about you know a boyfriend breaking up with her and then all of a sudden dad would try to compare that to a, a quarterback throwing an interception and having a short memory and my dad's like what number three defense you know my sister's just tearing up about the boyfriend but dad was so you know well if you think about it and cover three you know sometimes a safety has to come over to and my sister so what in the world are you talking about um but that that is kind of just uh bled into me. And again, initially I didn't understand it. Right. You know, when you're young, your parents don't know what they're talking about. They're always wrong. They're old. They don't get it. And then now it's like, man, you know, there's, there's, there's a reason he did that. You know, one, one kind of story to share about my dad, you know, who is now in the entrepreneurial phase of life where he owns a commercial flooring business. I was on a job with him, you know, we were putting in some floor mats down in Atlanta And we had these hundred pound buckets of glue and we had a straight runway where you could drive a vehicle and our truck was parked at, you know, a hundred yards away. And said, Ray, we got to carry these buckets of glue back to the truck. And uh, I said, dad, no, no, we don't. Let's just drive the truck to the glue. And that way we don't have to carry it a hundred yards. So no, we're going to carry the glue to the truck. And at the time I'm thinking, this guy's an idiot, man. Like, what, what, what are you talking about? We'll drive the vehicle here. So we pick up those hundred pound buckets of glue. He's 50 years old, farmer carrying it the whole way. And I was like, dad, you know, that was like the the dumbest thing we've ever done. And he said, Ray, the only reason I have a chance in this life is because I've always been willing to carry the buckets. And I'm thinking to myself, that's, that's so dumb. You know what? Now I look at it now and I don't want to train tomorrow because I got 92 different things. I'm going to carry those buckets. You know what I'm saying? So it's one of those things that, that at the time you never get it, man. It didn't make sense. You know, Oh, he's inefficient. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense, but it's the whole principle behind that, the the work ethic and the, and the discipline and doing the things that other people are unwilling to do. It's like, 
I may not even want to have the post you just talked about with the 365. I, I, I don't want, but I don't know any other way. You know what I mean? It's so ingrained in me that now I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm this is who I am based on how I was, how I was raised. Mm-hmm. So to dig into that a little, little bit more, um, you said the, the discipline and the work ethic to do things that other people aren't willing to do. Um, you didn't have that four years of uh, typical college goofing off, uh, playing video games, drinking beer and stuff like that, that others did. So what, what was it? Was it just your own drive or was it the way that you were raised that got you through all those years when all your friends are off having fun? Right. And, and don't get me wrong. I definitely, you know, I visited and had my time and my fun and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. I think that there was, you know, um, the, the best way to put it, man, is, is honestly coming out of high school. I was never a smart guy. I was never talented. The reason I had some success in athletics was because of my strength and conditioning and my effort mm. and the way wow. that I put in the time um, to, to give myself an opportunity. But, and it's as embarrassing as it sounds is, uh, you know, I think for a lot of years, especially from 18 to 24, 25, your ego is through the roof. And I kind of yeah. had this, I had this idea where I wanted to prove people wrong. You know, I wasn't going to eat dinner with my family on Thanksgiving because I was going to work. I wasn't going on family vacation. I wasn't doing all these little fun things, looking at Christmas lights. I wasn't doing that because you were unwilling to, and I wasn't going to let you beat me, you know, and, and it sounds selfish to say, and it's awfully silly now that I look back on it, but I think I had, I had this intrinsic drive to prove people wrong because I wanted to obviously be successful. And then around 25, you know, I kind of had this big shift in my head where instead of trying to prove people wrong, I'm going to go try to prove to those who believe in me right. You know what I mean? And I think that that's super critical that a lot of times I hear these guys that are, that are speaking, the, my, my younger athletes, you know, I just want to prove them wrong. I want to get a scholarship because I know they don't think that I can. And now it's trying to kind of shift their mindset to where, Hey buddy, you want to, you want to, there, there's a lot of people that do believe in you you want to prove those people, people right. And I believe that a lot of my intrinsic desire to prove people wrong led to my burnout, you know, because again, from 18 to 25, and I'm not kidding when I say this, it was seven days a week. I was up at four o'clock in the morning. I trained people every hour on the hour till nine o'clock at night. I would suck down. I'd, I'd put chicken in a blender and I'd blend the chicken and drink the chicken shakes while I'm waiting for the client. And it was almost like that became in the beginning, you know, you're, you hear the hustle and the grind and all this stuff, which again, I'm thankful for because, you know, it, it, it built me into who I am, but then it also kind of got to the point where, Hey, if you want to go far, go alone. And if you want to go, or excuse me, you want to go fast, go alone. You want to go far, go together. And that's where I started to build a team and develop, you know, people around me. So that way I could be more effective because I bragged like crazy about working a hundred hours a week but now was I effective in those 100 hours or did I just have it so I could say it? You know what I mean? It was about, I, I transitioned my mindset from ego driven. I'm going to outwork you to, I'm going to optimize my time to add value to others. You know, I, I, I had my eye on the, on the right ball. I was just, the perspective was off. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's good. And that, that transitions really well into kind of my next question here. So, during those early years, it's ego driven. It's I'm going to be better than you driven. And I'm sure right. a lot of your uh, identity was wrapped up in your work, right? And Absolutely. Um, it's my whole a, life. 
from a faith perspective, the number one in your life, the idol in your life was your career, your job. And it seems like now as you're a little bit older, you're kind of transitioning more into how can I impact these athletes lives a bit more. And first you need to have that change within your heart of having your identity, not in your work. So can you just talk uh, a little bit maybe about um, early years uh, kind of maybe where your identity or um, your focus was, and then uh, have you kind of transitioned out of that into, um, you know, your your faith uh, becoming more of an integral part of your life and your coaching? Sure, and it's one of those things, and I don't need, mean to share my entire testimony. So if I obviously oh, go yeah. down, you know, a rabbit hole, feel free to stop me at any time. But mm-hmm. I grew up in church; I was in church my whole life, and then. In my early 20s, I started having these really weird panic attacks, a lot of anxiety, a lot of, I don't want to say depression, but I was really Mm -hmm. struggling. And as a strength and conditioning coach, I was a fixer. You know, I want to fix everything. So I'd spend hours and hours a day on the internet reading these forms about how to cure anxiety and fix this. I mean, it got to the point where it was so bad that I'd have to wear sunglasses inside because the bright lights triggered my anxiety. And I'm thinking I got brain tumors. I got all these issues. And again, what I was doing and I didn't know it is I just, I was feeding it because I was trying so hard to fix it versus accepting it that there was one day I was for about a year and a half that it was very, very debilitating anxiety. I had to drop out of college, the whole thing. I was really, I I was, I was suffering and I felt like I was in a hell. I really did. And, uh, one day about a year into this, I just said, you know what, this is just how I feel now. I got these awful feelings, these panic attacks. I don't like going into rooms. I hate this but I have no other choice. So I'm just going to accept it. And I almost got mad at God. And I said, God, this is miserable, but if this is just what you want me to feel, and this is what you want me to be, then so be it. I'll bear my cross with honor and I'll just walk through the fire and just deal with this. It wasn't a week later. I stopped having anxiety. I stopped having panic. I stopped all of this stuff. And I truly believe that it was again for a year, every single day I was fighting so hard to cure this thing. Mm -hmm. When in reality, it was, in my opinion, you look at working 80 hours a week, I'm doing all these different things. It was God, God grabbing a hold of my heart and saying, slow down, man. You know, you have to, he's going to speak to you one way or another. And I firmly believe that that was an area of my life that I didn't have the answers to. And, and, and again, eight plus eight is 16. I can figure that out. I couldn't figure this out. So I think it was ultimately my submission that uh, allowed me to kind of overcome that. There's not struggles that I don't still have with anxiety and things happen just like anybody else. But it was one of those things that that was the most miserable time of my life as far as feeling. So I don't want to say that I'm immune to difficulty moving forward. But again, that, that hell that I was going through it, it, it allowed me to feel what, what really, really bad feelings feel like. So now anything else I don't want to say is, is not important, but nothing, a, a lot of stuff that happens to me negatively pales in comparison to how I felt over that year. And uh, anyway, to kind of answer your question, that shifted my mindset because in the beginning of the, the training side of things, it was strength and conditioning. It was all I cared about was weights, technique, West Side barbell, reading the different programs. I didn't care about the individual. I cared about how can the squat make this individual faster. And then, you know, I kind of, after that experience in my own life, you know, some other things started happening to me where, you know, there was one day I get a phone call from a mother and uh, I was still a younger guy in her early twenties. And she said, you know, Hey Ray, I just wanted to let you know that, that my son, you know, we were in a therapy meeting and, and, 
he said he doesn't need to go to therapy anymore because he found, you know, he found himself in your gym and he has confidence. And, you know, at the time, whatever, let's squats. I'll see him Tuesday. I was so dumb and still so naive to understand what she was saying. And, and I blew that off. And, you know, now looking back, I realized how powerful that was. Not a year later, I get another call, Ray, you know, um, we had a family therapy session and, and my son who's been dealing with some substance abuse and dealing with, you know, personal harm, you know, he felt like he no longer needed to kill himself because he found purpose in Ray's gym. And I'm thinking, okay, now, now somebody's got my attention. You know, here I am thinking it's about squats and deadlifts. And now this kid has found, you know, value in his own life. And then kind of the icing on the cake, you know, five years ago, there was a boy came into the gym and uh, he said, Ray, you know, I want what you have. And I said, I didn't know what you're talking about. You mean, what do you mean you want what I have? You know, you got this, you have this, you know, positivity around, you have something going on that I don't mm. see in a lot of people. Wow. And I always have a Bible in my desk in my office and he kind of hinted at the Bible and, and he was kind of hinting. He didn't know how to ask, but he wanted to learn about Jesus. And I said, man, wow. Wow. Listen, you, you want to talk about faith. I don't have much time. Again, I'm a crazy, hard-charging entrepreneur. It's the middle of winter, garage gym. I said, Wednesday mornings at 6 o'clock, I have from 6 to 6.30. You meet me here every single Wednesday, and I'll go over the Bible with you. And here he comes, bundled up in sweatshirts. Being, I don't have heat in the gym, nothing. For six months, we meet every Wednesday morning at 6 o'clock in the morning. Six months later, he's laying over an elite FDS bench, praying the prayer of salvation, giving his life to the Lord. And after that, I said, man, like this isn't, this isn't about sprints or vertical jump heights. This is, this is about something more than that. So now, where strength and conditioning used to be my life, tell people I'm a strength and conditioning coach, but it's actually a lie. Strength and conditioning is nothing more than the vehicle that I have mm-hmm. to be able to reach young people, you know? So that's just the, that's just the driver. So don't get me wrong. I'm super passionate on fire. I want to learn about training and serving and all that stuff, but it's really my end goal is if this person can find confidence in my program and I help them to associate positively with strength and conditioning or fitness. And when they get to 30 years old, if they go to the gym twice a week and do lat pull downs and goblet squats, I won. You know what I mean? Yeah. So as much as I'm still focused on the athletic development, it's, it's who are these, you know, who, who are they when I'm not around? Can I, can I impact the trajectory of their life, whether by example of how I live my life with my training, with the way that I treat people, with my availability to other people. So that's really where I've kind of shifted Look, guys, training is really, really easy. You know, what do athletes do? They jump, they sprint, they, 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 they hinge, they squat. One, you know, it's, it's, it, it all works until it doesn't. I, I make the training super, super simple so I can free up bandwidth to pour into those kids far beyond three sets of 10 or four sets of eight. You, you know what I mean? That, oh, uh, that's what shifted me for sure. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, that's, that's that, absolutely beautiful. That's huge. And yeah, how- that's pretty neat. How amazing too that you've been able to see the fruits of your labor. Oh, it's right. It's kill- I was just the what's it, I was the officiant and that boy who gave his life to Christ. Wow. I was officiant in, in his wedding a year ago. So cool. He was the high school reject that was too dumb for anything. The dude's making a grand a day selling BMWs. He's, he's I'm teaching him how to tithe and all that you know. So it's just a neat a neat thing to see that guy who was scared of his own shadow you know, Mary bought us a first home at 21 years old, you know, the kids doing it, you know, and it's been incredible. Incredible. In the coaching profession, we pour ourselves out so much and very rarely do we get to see the fruits of our labor. So to be able to see that, man, that we've all coached 
athletes that have gone on to success. We've all uh, been a part of, you know, something that they, there's been a championship or whatever. And those things are just, they're fleeting, right? Th- those aren't the memories that we talk about oh, from for sure. five years ago. It's the, the concrete things, the, um, when somebody could give their life or their identity to, to the higher purpose or a higher power outside of their results. It's, that is what keeps you going for sure. And it's tough, man. It's super tough because again, I'm on one side where it's like, obviously I'm an entrepreneur. I'm into business. Obviously don't get me wrong. I want to make money. I want to be successful and all that stuff. But you know, what's troubling to me is to kind of a point you just made that I get it. I'm a strength and conditioning coach. The majority of people are hiring me, not because of my faith, but because of the ability to help their child in basketball or tennis. But at the same time, you know, and don't get me wrong. There are some people, Ray, I don't want you to talk to my kid about anything life related. You go through the squats and you go through the trap bar. Five years ago, I had a kid, his dad pulled him out of our program because he said, Ray, the kid is, is listening to you more than he's listening to me. And I, I'm have it was an ego thing. He had trouble that his son was getting value. So he pulled him out. I don't know where the kid is now, but dropped out of high school, did the whole thing. And to me, it's just like, I, who cares what horse's mouth it comes from if the if the message gets across then it's a win but Mm -hmm. again it was an ego thing and kind of where i was going with this is like you know if i think about you know what is my why what is my purpose you know and and as a christian if i'm gonna be a christian and not just be a christian in name it is my duty it's not a good idea it's not a nice thought it is my duty to be authentic and to share Mm -hmm. my faith with others which is why i'm so outspoken about it on social media and I get these DMs from guys, oh, stick to weights. You know, you're really going to jeopardize your business. You're going to have a lot of trouble if you continue just to, you know, you get away from the main thing. Mm-hmm. And I think to myself, you know, what What if I lose 20 clients? What if I leave a million dollars on the table? You know, what if, what if, what if? What if I help one person, one person, one person make heaven and miss hell. If I can help one person make heaven, I'll lose $2 million. I'll lose $3 million. I, I, I don't mm-hmm. care about that. So it's, again, I'm not driven by money. I'm driven by influence and impact. Money is fortunately a byproduct of what I try to do. But mm-hmm. to sit here and get away and hide from my faith and act like that's not a major part of who I am, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here right now without that. You know, So it's just one of those things that I've got to... I'll, I'll compromise on on the music in the gym as much as they put the stuff on. They, they I, I don't care to listen to. I'm not compromising on my faith. And if I if I end up losing, it's not my money anyway. You know, I'm just a steward of yeah. it for 80 years until I get to go home. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So so that's really um, why I'm fearless with it. Because again, the dude took care of the birds. I got a good feeling he's going to take care of me. So heck yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then. Uh... Let's say worst comes to worst, you lose your business. I I see on social media you'll you'll know how to survive there uh, for, with the for sure. Hunt, hunting, fishing, <laughs> yeah, trust me. <laughs> yeah. During during the pandemic, we bought a cabin that you couldn't find with four GPSs. So I I, I can I can go off the grid and and we'll we'll find a way to to make it. But no, it's uh that's definitely a hobby of mine. But again, I'm I'm on fire for for what we're doing now for sure. Heck yeah. As Ray Jr. said, country boy can't survive. That, that's right. <laughs> that's <be> right. <laughs> yeah. So I, Absolutely. I love, I love uh, the talk outside of, you know, the weight room and uh, I really appreciate your openness there and yeah, just sharing, right. Sharing what, uh, right. What, what's, what's happened in your life and the impact and kind of getting vulnerable there. Um, so with, you know, again, another phenomenal transition there. Um, yeah. 
you've you've said often about your training that um, it's it's simple. You've said often about your training that you don't get caught up with the razzle dazzle. Um, right. Story from story from my life. I did. Uh, sure. I started out with the exact same kind of influences: uh, Louis Simmons, Joe DeFranco, Jim Wendler, Zach Evanesh, and then man, I went all in on. Oh, it's all we need to do is sprint. That's it. You're right. And Ross Blair, they're so phenomenal. They're patient with me. They kind of pulled me back. So I want to know from you, what is your BS meter, right? right. What, what passes your sniff test? What do you look at something to go, that's really good. Let me try to integrate it. Or uh, that's that razzle dazzle kind of BS I don't need in here, right? So sure. just kind of explain that a bit for us, please. So, so again, and, and, and I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with you kind of getting caught in that path because again, it's, again, it's, it's where I struggle is people tell me all the time, Ray, if you opened up a 10,000 square foot turf facility and you had speed and agility, you you got 2000 clients And, and, and where I struggle with that, it's like, okay, well, again, I just told you I'm not driven by money. So now I'm basically lying to myself to be able to make short end money on stuff that doesn't really work in a gym. Also I can do what put rims on my truck. You know what I mean? Like where's the, where's I can buy a lake house or something. You know, I don't really have any, any desire to do that. I guess the way that I I look at it. And again, I, I always try to learn from everybody, whether I completely disagree with it or I completely agree with it. I think Mm -hmm. there's something to be learned or not to be learned from, from a lot of people. And, you know, as far as the BS meter goes, you know, I think that, you know, you have to pay attention to the modern athlete. And, and this is what I share with people all the time, that if we were like 1970s Russia or China, where our kids were being programmed from eight years old all the way up in Olympic lifting, and they had this massive background of physical preparation and they were already strong, do you think I'd be selling more strength on top of what was already overdosed to them? Or would I be focused more on some of the speed and agility that, you know, we know it today. But the problem is we're taking a demographic of kids who have never been more under underprepared in any other time in human history. And then now because the concept of speed and agility is palatable, it's less scary than strength training. Now we're Mm. affirming somebody else's perception because it's comfortable. You know what I mean? So again, don't get me wrong. Athletes need to sprint. They need to jump. But to sit here and build a business model on closed drills when we play open chaotic sports, meaning, you know, a pre-programmed icky shuffle or run to the cone and shuffle left and sprint forward, you know, that doesn't happen in sport. You know, if you try to do the icky shuffle against a defensive back who's playing press coverage and you're looking at the sky, you know what I mean? So it's it's one of those things that I don't. I don't necessarily, I don't hate the speed ladder. I don't hate, you know, the, the bungee cords. What I hate is the application behind it. Because again, if we're going to use a ladder and we're using that for neural prep or to get the feet moving, that's totally fine. When you call it a speed ladder, well, speed is about the production of force and tippy tapping through a ladder is not going to produce force. Mm -hmm. When we're using the bungee cord for an overspeed training effect, I understand what the goal is but you're taking an 11 year old who doesn't have the requisite strength to overcome his own body weight. And now you're increasing that, you know, where does that, where does that make sense? So I think a lot of it, and again, this is, this is again, circles back to my whole concept of simplicity. Listen to sit here and charge kids to hobble around cones for 15 minutes when they're doing that for 25 minutes of practice, they can do that in their backyard with their dad. If they want to, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to sell that. 
because I know that they're not getting the trap bar deadlifts and they're not getting the reverse lunges and they're not getting the goblet squat. So again, if you want to do all those things, that's fine. But what we tend to do in America is we take something we're already doing too much of, and then we add more to it. And then when things go awry, we blame it on bad luck. You know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. so again, as a performance coach, I have to find in the modern youth athlete, where are they lacking? What are they not getting enough of? And I have to feed them that. So if every single kid was properly trained from 10 years old to 16, if they come to me at 16 years old and they are super competent in squats and they're all squatting four plates beautifully, now I'm just putting a squat bar on their back for my ego, right? But they, don't, they, don't, they don't need more of that. I need to do more of the change of direction and I need to do some of that BS. So I think it's all relative from a standpoint of why are you doing what you're doing? I don't think that cone drills are a bad thing, but are you putting them in there because Susie's mom thinks that that's speed and agility? Are you doing that because you know, for sure their physiology is screaming for that when it's, when it's not, you know? So, so I think it's all contextual. If guys were, if, if the sport was, get through a 10 foot ladder icky shuffle as quickly as possible. And that was what they played. I'd have more ladders than you could shake a stick at, but that's <laughs> not what's that, 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 that's not asked of us in the, in, in the realm of, of sporting requirement. So uh, love it. Yeah. I, and, and I couldn't agree. And I, I do like how you said all the speed and agility stuff is less scary than the straight it, work. It's right? all about palatability. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's what looks okay. Oh, well, we sell strength and th- str- or speed and agility to sixth graders and we do strength training with the high school kids. It's all perception and it's all verbiage and it's all word. I'm not in the business of telling people what they want to hear so I can hopefully earn some short-term money. If my mm-hmm. goal is a performance coach, I have to give you what you want or I have to give you what you need, not what you think you want. And that's a hard sell. You know, I, I, I understand I'm, I'm, I'm competing with Netflix and Snapchat and I'm selling stuff. that's really hard. That's a tough sell in 2023. You know, you know what I mean? But it's, it's, there are some people that are craving it and they want it and the vast majority aren't, but I'm selling out on those select few that, that are willing to be educated, that are willing to learn what's necessary. Any, anybody can go to the park and, and, and do karaoke. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now with, uh, we're, we're going to say sales and business kind of out there and on the mind. Um, when we were kind of putting thoughts and uh, questions together and discussing bringing you on, I know Ross was really impressed with, hey, dude, you've been a business owner for a long time. Uh, so I'm going to turn it over to Ross here with uh, some of his thoughts and questions. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, Ray. So obviously you, you've been running a gym, like you said, since you were 18, 19, which is, which is pretty impressive. And, and you've, you've obviously had uh, some good uh, influences with your dad and your, and your granddad. I, my dad was a football sure. coach, football coach growing up. So I, I knew from a, oh, awesome. a really young age that, that I was going to be a coach. It was just a matter of what am I, what am I going to coach at the end of the day is kind sure. of, kind of what it boiled down to. Um, right. What, what has been the biggest lessons for you? I saw you had a, you had a blog post the other day about it, but what has been the the biggest lessons for you uh, as a business owner, as you've gotten to this point? For sure. And that's a, that's a great question, you know, and, and it's funny. And I got to kind of circle back to my dad because again, my dad, college football coach been, you know, in the big 10, he was at Notre Dame, you know, he's at all these big time places and, and, and did well. And now he's a floor mat salesman. And I'm thinking, how in the world does a guy, you know, run out of the tunnel at Notre Dame on game day and then go sell, you know, carpet to a, an office building in downtown Atlanta? You know, how can you get passionate about that? 
And something my dad shared with me is he says, Ray, I don't care if it's floor mats, strength and conditioning or selling T-shirts. I'm not as passionate about the, the mode as I am the people. So it's a, being a servant of people. And, and I think that that's super critical despite what field you're in. I, my, my dad, I'm, I'm not excited to sell mats at all. But what I'm excited about is I'm going to go meet Jim at that office building and I'm going to be intentional about making Jim's day better. And now Jim is going to buy dad's product not because dad knows more about the mat than the competitor does, but dad is willing to go above and beyond every single day to be 10 minutes early, shake him, shake his hand and, and intentionally make his day better. So that has helped me from a business perspective that, again, I understand the squats. I understand the hinges. I understand the sprints and the bur- I get all that. But where I, I, I minimize that, not because I don't think it's important, but if I know I have a finite amount of bandwidth or I've only got eight, eight ounces in my cup. I'm going to save the majority of those ounces to be able to pour into you, to be able to ask about your day, to be able to communicate about things that you have going in your life. Because again, people don't care what you know. They care how you make them feel. I've never had a kid say, Hey, Ray, thanks for that awesome work. I mean, maybe they say it, you know, in passing, but they remember that conversation that I had with them 10 minutes after the session, when we were sitting out in the freezing cold. They, they, they tell me about that 15 years from now, you know what I mean? So it's more or less, again, focusing on more being people centric versus business centric. Not again, that the business is unimportant, but it's, it's, it's dealing with the psychology of people and trying to make them feel good. You know, one thing that I tell my guys that work for us at the gym is every single kid is leaving here with a fist bump and a smile on their face. You know, I don't care what it takes. I don't care if it's the worst workout of their life, the best workout of their life. They're leaving here with a fist bump and a smile because, again, how did, did that guy seek me out and shake my hand or give me a fist bump or did he just let me go through my sets and reps and walk away? You know, that's mm. something that I don't, I, don't, I don't believe in. This year we've added what's called our plus one board to the gym where it's just a big whiteboard and every single day there's no names, there's no sport. The day you came in, you finish a workout, could be the best of your life or the worst, you put a plus one on there. And then now the whiteboard, we're two weeks into the year, the thing's got 500 plus ones on it or whatever. And it's, it's about the collective group working working to pull in the right direction. So it kind of all circles back to that consistency and the, the discipline, et cetera. So it's less about, you know, while business systems are obviously important, it's less about the system and optimizing, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's about serving the person. And I've learned that as dumb as I am with the business systems and these other areas that I definitely need to grow in as a business owner, what you won't beat me in is, is, is serving who's in front of me. I'm always going to go all out. I, I'm right there. And I'll let kind of the other stuff, I'll let the people, my wife who is smarter than me, she can run the, the business side of, of the billing and the payment and all that. I just want to serve you. You know what I mean? So I think that that's critical is um, paying attention, making them the main character of the story and, and not yourself. I like that. So something else, and it's more just kind of a comment, and you can you can expand on it if you'd like. I think you've been sure. really good about being consistent with your branding, whether whether you realize it or not. Um, yeah, you're, you're, I don't know. So thank you. I yeah, I put a hammer on the thing and roll with it. You know, I don't know. You know, so so yeah, you've been really consistent, um, and I think that's a that's a really key part of having a successful business is is knowing who you are, what you want to do. And then what you bring to the table, and I think you've been really consistent that way. Um, and my, my follow-up to that is then, okay, you, you, you are who you are, you're going to coach what you're doing, and people know what, what right. you're getting. You've kind of touched on that. Uh, from, sure. the out, from the outside looking in, a good 
portion of your business seems to be a youth population. And you obviously probably work with adults and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Like you've got the right. that sort of bit. What right. what how how do you I'm gonna say differentiate between okay, I'm working with this youth population, this is what we're doing, and then I've got some my my adult clients that I'm working with. How sure. does that differentiate if it if it does at all? And kind of what's your approach sure. there? So when I first started, I was training everybody. You know, I had the athletes at 6 a.m., then I had the soccer mom at 7 a.m., and then at 9, 9 a.m., I had the business professional. So I kind of had less branding because I was, again, I was more wide than I was deep when I first started. And then now, since it's kind of morphed into, we have two main programs at our gym, which is the student athlete program, or I should just say student program. You don't have to play a sport to train at our gym. And then we have our adult fitness side. So instead of, because again, to, to much to your point, you know, to sit here and hammers only with a 52 year old mom, like she doesn't really care about, you know, that whole <laughs> stigma, but I've separated in the sense, I've got an awesome leader of our adult fitness program. His name's Jared Long. He helps assist me with the student program as well. And he has a very good background in some of that adult fitness or general fitness population. So instead of, not that I can't turn it on and off, what I've learned is, is trying to, to put the, peop, the, the best people in the right seats. And Jared is, is much better than I am as far as being able to implement our adult program and resonating with the adults a little bit better. Because my thought is this, you know, instead of me trying to be six different people and wear six different hats, I personally would rather sell out on what I know and what I do well and be the Zingler strength brand. And then I'll let Jared Long, who doesn't have this big, ugly beard and look like he's about to go like eat a deer leg, the whole thing. You know, I, I, I stick that. I keep to my to my lane. And then Jared will kind of run that adult side of thing. It's in the same facility. And don't get me wrong. You walk in, you got the gun rack or, you know, gunmetal gray racks with the American flag and the military. So it's kind of the whole thing. But what I found, too, and Jared has touched on this as well, sometimes those adults, well, they may not be you know, necessarily as like hardcore as the kids. There's a, there's a nostalgia to coming into this old garage. The heat's not very good. The colds and and it helps those adults, you know, they got to be a little bit gritty too, because again, there's 80 other gyms they could go to with heat and air conditioning and like a front desk, you know, at our place, you drive up a gravel driveway, there's cinder blocks thrown in the yard and you raise the bays up. So I think as much as the kids are probably more, you know, in line with my branding or my messaging, the adults kind of feel, which a lot of the adults are parents of our current students. So it's almost like they're getting a, I don't want to say Zingler strength 2.0 or anything like that, but we're trying to keep congruency in what we offer. We're not a pink dumbbell chrome gym. Now don't get me wrong. When the adults come, they're doing, they're wearing their gloves and doing dumbbell floor press, whereas the kids might be in there benching, screaming, listening to ACDC. But it's, it's, it's kind of not wanting to distance ourselves too far away from what's made us who we are, but also playing to the strength of, you know, Janet doesn't want to come in and listen to Lil Baby on volume 99. You, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. so it's, it's trying to meet them where they're at. That's good, man. I like that. So my uh, last little question here, and then I'll turn it over to the boys here. Uh, if yeah. if you've ever worked with me in an office, uh, if there's a whiteboard, I love a a good whiteboard session, and I will just absolutely rip through a whiteboard. Sure, and <laughs> I can uh, turn this thing around, and my whole walls are oh, covered yeah. with them. But yes, I'm with you. Uh, I'm with you. And so you know, I see. You know, every year you post like your yearly 
I guess I'll call it a summary of kind of your goals for the year yeah. and kind of what you it's want to do. It's the mission objective. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Expand on that a little bit. Like where did that start? What's, uh, you know, why do you do it? That type of stuff. Yeah, no, it's, it's something too that obviously, and you guys know, um, you're, everybody's busy, right? You always have good intentions when things are comfortable, you know, that week between, you know, after Christmas and before new year's, you know, when you don't know what day of the week it is and you're kind of just hanging out at the house, waiting for the new year, that's when I do all of that stuff. And, and again, I do that intentionally because that's my one week to take a breath. You know what I'm saying? But I know, I know that when I map these thoughts out, and I write them on the whiteboard, I recognize I feel really good right now. I'm comfortable. I'm not busy, you know, but the, the reason the whiteboard is so important and I put that in my gym, I take pictures of it. I have copies of it everywhere is that February morning when it's 22 degrees outside, the gym flooded the night before things are chaotic. <laughs> the kids are going crazy. Can I maintain, you know, those principles during that time? And it's very simple to me. And I try to share it with my guys as well. I have it written down right there. And again, I'm not a smart guy, but if I say who I say I want to be, I have to act on all of these principles. And if I make the active choice not to, despite the friction associated with whatever fire that comes that day, I'm basically telling myself that I wrote that, but it's not important to me. And one thing about me is, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm, I'm far from perfect. I'm full of flaw. I'm full of air. But I don't have pride trying to, you know, showboat and be the, 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 the macho man outside. But I don't I, the one thing I don't want to do is lie to myself. There, that burns me up more than more than anything in the world. I can't tell you how many times I've been doing a workout up at the local high school running stadiums and I was supposed to do 12. And I did I do 11 or did I do I'll, I'll drive back at midnight and do one more in a snowstorm just to get it done because I just don't I won't I won't tolerate that. So it's more of an accountability thing. And I think it started, you know, I read a book several years ago that if you guys haven't read, I think you'd enjoy by Stephen Pressfield. It's called Turning Pro. And basically the premise of it is going from being an amateur to a professional. And again, to kind of summarize the book, I firmly believe that, you know, there's not a large difference between average people and great people. Great people do all the time what average people do occasionally. And it's just one of those things that to hold myself accountable. I may not be perfect at all of those things, but I'm going to have a constant reminder and I'm going to try like hell. I know if I know if I want to be the best in the world or I want to be a top notch pro, it's going to require me to do these things. They're not hard things, but I need that constant reminder to continue to drive us. Because as you know, when you're busy, you know, good intentions are awesome, but actions count. You know what I mean? So I've got to act on those intentions if it's, if, if I'm going to be who I say I want to be. So it's really obviously the message that I want to project for the business. And as the leader, who does it start with? I got, I got to live the code and that's, that helps me to kind of, all right, if I'm struggling with something, I'll read through there and I'll say, Hey, one time, you know, one of my things is take the extra five minutes, meaning, you know, Hey, we're always busy. Right. But if that kid needs that extra five minutes, what if I shoo him off and I only give him two, you know, I don't owe him that five minutes, but if I want to be who I say, I'm going to give him that five minutes. And now I go back to the drawing board and I may call that kid on the phone and say, listen, buddy, I'm sorry that I, I hustled you out of there. I had to get to my next thing and this and that. So it's an accountability thing um, more than, Hey, look at me. I drew a cool whiteboard. You know, it's, it's something that means a lot to me personally that I hope can then project outwardly when I share myself with, with others. I like that. What, what has been your, uh, I'm going to follow up again. I said that was my last one. Yeah, no, no, great, man. I enjoy this. What's been your, uh, (laughs) 
the 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 books that have most impacted you? Um, the book probably in the last decade, the book that's impacted me the most is Atomic Habits. I don't know if you guys yep. have ever read yeah. Atomic Habits. That's uh that's a lot of where I'm going over that plus one, the five minutes a day. That's where I got a lot out of that because you know again i've been i've been an advocate of personal growth personal development for 10 years but that book really helped me to kind of compartmentalize and you know five minutes a day it's something with training my son you know this is just a little thing that i put together you know if i started training my one-year-old son five minutes a day just five minutes and i do that every single day until he's 10 years old kid at, at 10 years old has over 270 hours of quality training before he's 10, you know, and I know that sounds silly. He's 10 years. What are you talking about? But five minutes a day of engagement and being, you know, in the mix of, of, of doing some sort of scheduled structured exercise, five minutes, one time, it's just him playing with dumbbells with dad. You can put, you, you add that up over 10 years my 10 year old, and I'm not saying this, but my 10 year old now has more training than 90% of the people on earth because mm-hmm. I was willing to take five minutes a day to let him hit a dumbbell he stacked up with a preacher curl bar. You know what I mean? So it's, 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 it's finding, you know, the, the ability to microdose those small habits that again, in the short term are nothing, but they manifest over time into, into big things. Um, so that one, Atomic Habits, James Clear. Uh, man's search for meaning. I don't know if you guys have read that by Viktor Frankl. It's the best book I've ever read in my life, just from a standpoint of dealing with adversity and the power of the human spirit. You know, he was in concentration camps and he found a way, you know, they could take everything from him, but they couldn't take, you know, his, his, his generous mindset. You know, he was going to, he was going to, he was going to take that to the very end. It's a powerful book. If you guys, uh, if you haven't read that, and then one I'm looking at over here that I think you guys would enjoy. It's called Deep Work. So I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Deep Work by uh, Cal Newport. Phenomenal book just about, you know, focus and again, going and hey, everybody else can work. Are you deeply working? And deep work can only come from, from authentic, intrinsic motivation. And then the last one, I got him here. This is called Do Hard Things by Steve Magnus. This is a phenomenal book. It's about toughness. You know, everybody throws around mental toughness. And a lot of times, you know, most people think the tough guys at, you know, Gold's Gym and a racerback tank doing curls with a sleeve tattoo. You know, in reality, toughness looks a lot different. And it kind of di- dives into the, the science behind it. And again, it's funny, the, the books that I just mentioned, that man search for me, it all, they all, all these book, James Clear's principles, they all tie in, you know, and I, and I find that unique that again, some of these ultra high performers, they're not, they're a lot smarter than me, but they're not doing anything cutting edge. They're just willing to do simple things very consistently over long periods of time. And that's truly what I believe is how you get to the top. You know, it's mastery is impossible. But if you sit there and you, you you take five minutes a day every single day with whatever it is, you get a hell of a lot closer than talking about it being a good idea. Heck yeah. So, no, that's good. Ray, Ray, you're a self-proclaimed not a smart guy, but you seem pretty wise beyond your years. Well, and uh, I stand on I the think- shoulders of giants. I tell people all the time, you know, what I'm saying I got from somewhere else. And, and you know, I would encourage you guys to do, to do the same, you know, but um, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Yeah, one I, one thing I was going to mention was was the reading, and um, 
do you have a system for reading or is it just like, this is what I feel like reading on this day and I'm going to read for this right. long? Well, no, it's a great question. I, um, I've, I've, and I, and I hated reading. It used to take me forever to read a page and I'd forget. Now, even to this day, I'm not even afraid to acknowledge it on here. Most of the reading I do, I buy the book and then I get the audible version of it on my phone. And then I let them read it to me because again, I struggle with focus because I'm worried about this and I'm worried with that. So what I do to kind of hack my reading is I'll turn my audible on 2x speed. So let's say it's a four hour book that it takes to read. It would take Ray Zingler 404 hours to sit here and read the page and forget. But when I'm having it read to me, you know, now and I can 2x that speed, my goal isn't to run the fastest race. It's to maximize my time and stay focused. And that extra layer just helps me. But um, as far as a system goes, and it's nothing that I've really kind of written out, but it's just kind of how it works. I'm typically reading two to three books at a time. And typically I'll read one that, uh, and I read it early in the day that might be some sort of like faith-based or business type reflectionary type book to where kind of sets the tone for the day, so to speak. Like I always read, you know, some sort of like wisdom journal. Um, there's a, um, there's a book and it's actually called wisdom by uh, Billy Graham. It was like one of his daily devotionals. So I'll start with something like that in the morning to start my day off. Right. And then I'm always reading a book either about training, about business, about relationships, something that's more like like personal growth or business-related growth book. And then I'll always finish in the evenings with something lighter that may be a fiction book that kind of lets my brain settle out. So I kind of started off early in the morning is set the tone, you know, faith, positivity, wisdom, something of that nature. The middle of my day, because again, I work with students for a living, they're in school eight to four, so I can buy 30 minutes of time at 1.15, you know, to read. I'll read something that's going to help me in my craft, whether that's strength and conditioning related, communication, employee optimization, something like that. And then at night, I'll read, you know, just whatever I feel like reading, so to speak. So again, it may only be 10 pages of each of those per day, but 365 days a year, I'm, I'm, I'm stacking books up, you know? And, um, one thing too, that I think is important just to share with you guys as well is again, for a long time, when I first started getting into reading, it was about volume. Can I read, 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 cover a bunch of ground. And then it's like, well, did I, did I learn anything from that book? Am I applying that? So now what I do is I have all these different, you know, notebooks of where I'll take notes on what I'm reading. I'd rather read three great books and apply the principles and study them than just tell you I read 209 books last year. You know what I mean? So I think it's important to, to act on them because, again, I think it's important to obviously read. But the quality of what you're reading, if you find a book that you read and it speaks to you and there's go back over it again, highlight, go reread that because, again, you're, you're going to get more benefit out of applying principles read than just being able to say, Hey, I read 391 books last year. So that's been, that's been really in the last couple of years, why my pace may have slowed again. It's no race, but it's slowed down because instead of just reading, I'm trying to absorb and apply on top of that. So that, that one Instagram post that you get though, where you stack up 27 books, right. you know, it looks really, really awesome right. though. No, for sure. And it's I, all about Instagram. It's not about like, dude, like succeeding in real life. As long as you look cool on Instagram and it gets a bunch of likes and stuff, that's really the, the main objective. And I'm obviously teasing, but you know, um, yeah. 
it's it's neat though to be able to share that because that's something that I commonly get asked about is the reading and the reading list and stuff. And here's the here's the 18 year old kid in high school that you know has a 62 going into the final and wonders if that's a B. You know, I, I again I, I I was so into the strength and conditioning and performance that not the performance that you know the academic side, which I'm not proud of, but it's neat to see that you know two of my greatest struggles, which were reading and writing. Um, are now two of my greatest passions. I read and write every single day. And I think that, again, that allows me, I got a lot of junk going on in here, but to be able to project that helps me to kind of organize my own life. I read a lot of good stuff that might be over my head, but then if I write that down in in terms that I understand, I may not get the full grasp of the book, but did I get 70% of it? What if I didn't read that book at all? I got 0%. You you know what I mean? So it's trying to maximize the, the value from from the time that I allocate to, I'm sure I enjoy it, but I'm really reading to extract, not reading to, to burn time. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's uh it's funny you say how like at different parts of the day, you're reading different styles of books. I kind of do it a little differently, but, but very much the same where like my, I'll read one book at a time and it'll be, you know, a book like uh, breathe by James Nestor. So I'm learning about breathing or whatever parts of the body. And then the next sure. book I read is try. Uh, you, you, I'm yeah, going to have exactly. them all say them. Yeah. Uh, my wife's like, why don't yeah, you then, buy a then, bookstore, man? Amazon's <laughs> like, oh, carry more. But yes, no, it's a great book. Yeah. Yeah. Then I'll read a, a you know, a textbooky book like triphasic or something. I'll reread it. And then I'll go to uh, something like Goggins. Um, I love that guy. You know, his book. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll just like, I'll cycle through, you know, that. And then I'll go to like a Jack Carr sure. novel all them right and there. I'll change it up completely. Right. Yeah. So I just kind of go in those cycles of like textbook to, you know, something a little bit easier, something a little bit more And I'll tell you, that's important, man, because, because for a long time, all I read was personal growth and development. Oh, you know, I thought fiction was stupid. Why would you read about something that's not even true and this and that? But then you learn over time the value of, you know, letting your mind take breaks. You know, my problem Mm. is I'd be reading, I'd be reading like, uh, you know, just as an example, this book right here, you know, tools of titans which is a great book it's about you know successful entrepreneurs and all this stuff but i'm doing it at 10 30 at night and i'm reading about some crazy awesome business system and it's like i wonder why i can't sleep at night i never i never shut off so i <laughs> i'll read stuff like western cowboy novels at night because again that allows my brain to to shut down you know so but it's all about what yep. works for you and the timing but you know regardless of one book or three books at a time i believe that cycle is important because, you know, again, sometimes it's one of those things I teach it with our athletes, you know, it's not, it's not swinging the bat harder or more times. that's going to increase your power. It's increasing the other avenues of your athletic performance. It's going to increase your power. So if I sit here and I let my mind take a break by reading a book, that's not growth oriented, but that now is, is letting my brain relax so I can absorb more later. It's almost like a short term step back to take multiple steps forward. So I think that that's, that's critical because for, for many years I screwed that up and I've gone back and read books that people are like, Oh, that book's amazing. And I'm like, wait a minute. I thought I read that, but I was, I I was reading it. I wasn't applying that. I was reading it so I could buy the next one and then read the next one, you know? So I think it's important to not focus on speed and not staying, you know, living and dying by one genre, but allowing your brain to absorb different authors and different thoughts and things like that. I think that that plays a big role into the overall developmental side of things because you're not beating a dead horse for sure. Mm -hmm. Heck yeah. No, it's awesome. 
Well, Ray, we uh, we obviously don't want to take up your entire day here, but uh, Blair Ross, anything else? I was just going to say, uh, you know, one thing that stands out to me, Ray, is how intentional you are with everything you do. And um, I think that's a, a huge, I don't know, key to your success and uh, appreciate hearing, you know, that from you. And uh, one other thing I wrote down that I wanted to add was that I was glad to hear that your kids are uh, listening to ACDC in the for gym sure. and not, uh, and not poo right, for sure. or, uh, Well, We got a lot of the garbage too, but you know, there's, there's sometimes on Fridays, especially with my older guys, you know, we'll get in there and I'm, 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 I'm throwing them back. You know, they, they grow their mullets out during baseball season. So I said, Hey, we're <laughs> yeah. going eight, we're going hair bands when, when the mullets start coming out. But no, I appreciate that, man. I think guys, you know, intentionality is, is super key. You know, there's so many people that go through, they exist in life. They go through the motions. They're on the clock to collect their tokens and go home. You know, we're graced with such a, a short amount of time here. In my opinion, you know, I, I have no other choice than to go all out. Some guy was nailed to two pieces of wood, so I didn't have mm. to go to hell and I'm not going to be passionate about giving my all to everybody for the short amount of time I'm here. You know, it doesn't mean that I don't have good days and bad days, but to sit here, in my opinion, to live your life on the sidelines or not full of intent, you know, that's that's you're misusing a gift. You know what I mean? You, you, you better bring it from your shoes. If not, what's what, what's the point? You know, you know, so that's kind of where again and I go off on tangents and I can get loud and raise hell and the whole deal. And there's times where I have to dial back. But, you know, I recognize and I'm very, very intentional about understanding it's, we got a short amount of time right here. You know, it's not about what can I do in five years, 10 years. Sure. I've got plans, but it's, can I impact and make a difference right now? And I'm going to act on it, you know? And I think that that helps me. I may not be right every time, but if I bring fire and passion to what I do every day, I'm giving myself more spins of those wheels to give my chance, you know, give myself a chance to be, be right in whatever that area is. So beautiful. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, Ray, that, I'll speak for all of us of like, man, this has been such a fun, authentic conversation. Uh, you're, yeah. you're, the, you're the man. I really I, appreciate it. No, thank you guys so much. It's one of those where, you know, I, I, I get on here sometimes and people, oh, let's keep it real scripted. And I appreciate the conversational aspect. One thing I wanted to let you guys know, too, is the organization with the questions. You know, that was super, super helpful. I like I don't study it meticulously because I want to be off the cusp and keep mm-hmm. it authentic versus, you know, trying to be programmed. But I think, obviously, I think your logo is awesome. I think the mission of what you guys are doing is awesome. And I love the organization to kind of have a little bit of prep work to be able to know, you know, what we're going to discuss. So that way I can kind of frame my mind. So I thought that was really sharp of you guys to uh, take the time to to do it the right way. You know, everybody's got a podcast these days, but very few take the time and the professionalism to do it right. And that uh, that stood out. My wife was printing out my my sheet for me, and she's like, "Ray, this isn't just some stupid meathead nonsense. Like these guys know how to use Word and Google Sheets. Like what the hell? They know what they're doing." And I'm like, "I guess so." Normally, it's some guy that's like, "Oh, West Side conjugate four sets of two. Like, all right, chill out, buddy. But no, you guys are you guys are awesome. So, oh, no, we appreciate it, and uh, it's just it's really cool. It's really nice to see that. The, the actual man matches, you know, the presence out there on social media and the internet. Um, and man, you're just, your, your authenticity, your passion, uh, your purpose, everything just came through today. And we're, we're so grateful for your time. But, um, but before we leave, you got 
so much going on. I I didn't want to uh, only say, hey, follow this Twitter account or this Instagram account. So uh, for for those listening, um, please just let people know, um, you know, whether it's they they want to learn more about you or your gym business or um, sure. they want to read some of your blogs. Where's the best places to go and do all Re- that? So I'm on, obviously I'm active on Instagram at Zingler Strength, um, Twitter. It's just my name at Ray Zingler. And then I'm also writing a blog on a website called Substack, which that's just Zingler Strength slash Substack mm-hmm. where I write, um, on there as well. And then obviously if anybody has any questions or anything like that, you know, again, kind of like what we talked about off air in the beginning, you know, I'm, I will never big league anybody, you know, I obviously can't give every minute of my day to everybody. But the one thing that I try my very best to do is when I get a message, whether it's about something big or small, is I'll take the time to do my best to, to help anybody in any way. So they can always shoot me a, a DM or even an email at Ray at zinglerstrength.com. So beautiful. No, thank you. Thanks, uh, Ray. Thanks for listening to another episode of Victory Over Self Radio. Episodes are available anywhere you listen to podcasts, and we also have videos and clips of each episode on our Victory Over Self Athletics YouTube channel. Like and subscribe, and let us know if there's any person or topic you'd like us to cover. We'll see you all next time.